So, Tom Ross Parry, let me tell you a tale. A tale of adventure, a tale of daring, a tale of excitement. The tale of Matt Boyle and the PS5. What? It's Tom and Matt Attack. Yes, Tom Parry. So today, um, I was up in a city in the north of Denmark. Hang on, Matt. Hang on, Matt. You can't wait to get started on this, can you? I'm sensing some excitement here. There is, Tom. And, um, Sorry, I'm Sorry gonna, for interrupting gonna... there. but uh, It's all right. I don't know what you're about to say, by the way. Is it? You... Okay, so carry on. Sorry. You don't? No, because I've purposely kept it from you. Because I was like, ooh, this is a tasty little morsel that could make mm. a good podcast story. Okay. As I said, I was up um, in the north of um, Denmark today, delivering some stuff to my brother-in-law because we'd got a package from Hungary and there were some bits and bobs that needed to go there because they couldn't ship it there. And we dropped off the food and all the stuff we had to for them to have a nice Christmas. And I was like, oh, well, should I, should I go into town? Should I not? As you know, when I tend to go there there's a very good shop that sells secondhand stuff like records and everything else and i was like oh, i wonder if they're open they're not usually open on sundays but given it's the week before christmas and that denmark will be enduring a lockdown after the 25th and everything will shut until after the new year i thought well let's have a look let's chance it just in case because the guy said they had lots more stuff to put out last time i was there let's see if any of that stuff is still sitting around I quickly looked on the Facey books and they had a post up that said, right, we have two PS5s. They are new PS5s. They're not pre-owned. They've come in. We ordered them weeks ago and only now we are getting two of the ones we ordered. It will be first comes, first served. However, the catch was it was a bundle deal. So there was a PS5 with Miles Morales, with Demon Souls, with a controller, with a charger, and the media remote. So this is a second controller? This is a second controller, this, yes. This, Matt, this is sounding very expensive. How much would you say that would probably set a person back, Tom? Patrick? Well, isn't a PS4... Is, we're talking about the what the disk drive one. Yes. Okay, isn't that like one. £450 or something? Something around there, yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> okay, so all that little lot, you talk, I don't know, 600? You'd think so, Tom. 7,000 kroner was the asking price for this. Which, if you do the maths, here in Denmark, PlayStation 5 is about 4,200. So that's that. If you add up the games and the controller, you're looking at about an extra 1,800. So that's putting it up to 6,000. And then you got the media mode and the recharging cable, uh, the charging dock, which are like 20 quid which each, Which you don't want. Which I don't really want, if I'm being totally honest, because my, my TV has that. And so I was looking at it, and I was like, well, there's about, there's about 500, 600 kroner markup, if I'm being generous and going, well, I could get Demon Souls for a bit cheaper, I could get Spider-Man for a bit cheaper, I don't really want the other bits of tat. 
And so if you did that, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I, I talked, I, I talked to my lovely lady wife. I was like, well, like I do want a PS5, but do I actually want a PS5? And so I went there, and we were like, well, we're we're in town. It's going to open at twelve. We're not going to stick around too much because we want to go home because there's things to do. Name of this podcast. Let's just go there because I want to have a look at their Game Boy stuff anyway. I don't really care about anything else. I go there, Tom Parry. It's about 10 to 12. I'm expecting lines around the block because these things are so hard to get hold of. There's nobody. Nobody is stood outside the shop. So mm. I stand this outside. Is a popular shop? or Well, I, I guess mean, it's not a main chain. It's not thing. a main chain. It is an independent. And it is, generally speaking, quite busy whenever I go in there because we're usually there on a Saturday and there's a lot of hustle and bustle in there. I go there. And there's a PS5 box in the window. And there's a guy looking in at the window and like looking at the books in the window. And I'm like, oh, well, he's clearly queuing up for a PS5. No, and, then doesn't he, care. and then he just disappears. He just walks off without care in the world. Not everybody like a... wants a PS5, man. No, they don't, Tom. Um, Not everyone wants so... to spend that amount of money. So. I was there and I was just like... I don't really, I don't really want to spend like seven hundred fifty quid on a PS four, uh, PS five, and I was there and I was like, well, I'm, I'm the first person here though, and the guy was like, open the door, and I went Were inside. You Destiny, and I was just like, oh, should I buy this PS five? Do I? Should I? Should I just spend this money on a PS five? Like. I get paid next week. I've They'll got be Christmas money. Again soon, Matt. And that Did is exactly you? what I thought, Tom Parry. And I did not buy the PS5. Wow. And within 10 minutes of me being in that shop, both of those PS5s had gone. Wow, we were there. You were so close to the prize, to the grail. I'm- I could have had it, Tom. I could right now be holding the like second it. coming of Christ. The I bet you feel like a really responsible, mature adult now. I do, yeah, and that's why then I spent three hundred kroner on video games, because um, I was like, I could have spent seven thousand on video games, but I didn't. Because to be honest with you, Tom Barry, I have enough to play. I have a pre-order in. I will eventually get a PS Five, and to be honest with you, as I've talked about on this podcast. As curious as I am to play Demon Souls, I don't really want to play Demon Souls that much. Hmm. And Miles Morales is available. I mean, I do want to play Spider Man to be fair, but I still haven't played Spider Man, Spider Man, which I have. That is one of the games you, in the um, pile of PS4 games. I have it out to the library, Tom, because hmm. uh, lo and behold, all of the libraries are shut here because you know COVID. Um, so I I have a lot of games. I don't need a ps5 right now yes it would have been nice to have one because yes i did pick up cyberpunk um 2077 which i hear runs like absolute dog shit on the ps4 oh yes well that's a whole other conversation isn't it yeah which we we can have on this podcast but no Mm. i i i was very mature as very adult and i i walked past and the guy had kind of like had the look of oh here they come on his face I did not walk towards the counter. I did not get the PS5. And the first guy who came in, came in, like, frantically, because I'd heard the phone go in the entire time I was in the shop. 
because I could hear them saying like, "Yes, we still have them, but like, you better get down here quick because we only have two. Because they're the, the Welshman and he's in the store now, and I no, don't know. Yeah, what he's going to do. I don't even. I don't even think it was because of that. Because I think people had just not turned up assuming there was going to be people camped outside the shop, which is what I was expecting to see. And that didn't happen. And I, I was just like, anywhere else in the world, this situation would not be this calm and nonchalant of just people like what's into the store and quickly buying a PS5 and leaving again. It's quite refreshing, isn't it? It was. It was quite nice. It was one of those things that I was like, oh, God, I'm glad I live in Denmark. And, like, the the people were just leaving the stores with the PS5 as if, you know, it wasn't painting a large target on their back. Can you imagine in the UK walking down a high street with the PS5? Holding it over their heads. Exactly, the Rocky music playing from their iPhones. Um, Yeah, no, it was uh, it was what it was. And, like, I chatted, I, I talked to the guy. I was like, I was, like, I was thinking about it. I said, but I was like, it's a lot of money. I said, I've got a pre-order in. And the guy was just like, he goes, well, yeah, he goes, we know. He said, like... They're going to be available, he said, readily in a couple of months. He said, but we got two. Taking said, the, making the most of this opportunity to yeah, uh, yeah. get a little bit more for it. Get well, I mean, I mean, also in their defence, you know, like they pre-ordered this stuff, like they tried to buy these things in months ago. Hmm. And I think they just got this stuff and they were like, well, we're not going to fucking sell a media remote if we haven't got a PS5. Like, no, I, buy... I think it's very clever. They didn't the right thing, really. I I think so too. And I mean, considering the fact that I've seen PS5 sell for about six, seven hundred quid on their own recently, I do genuinely think that yes, it was a slight markup because it's a bloody independent. They haven't been able to open for like ninety percent of the year, and now they're probably going to have to close for a couple of months as well. I, I don't really begrudge the store for doing it, to be honest with you. I did think for a minute, though, when I went in there, that the guy in front of me bought just the PS5, and if he if he had done that at a slight markup, I would have, I would have just bought it, no questions mm. asked. Like if yeah, it just... had it had it been like five thousand kroner just for the PS5, I would have probably done that because that was kind of what I was expecting it to be anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't. Um, I I was well behaved. I behaved myself. I did not succumb. To the the urge. To well, I guess the only PS5. reason right now, maybe for you, obviously having a copy of Cyberpunk, is to get the most out of that game. To be honest, can... though, I don't really care, and doubly now because of the stuff that's gone on. So, should should we talk about the Cyberpunk debacle? I think we might should as well we... because rather than jump into something else, I think let's we're, we're there now. So let's talk yeah. a little about it. So yeah, I mean, CD Projekt Red, uh, the highly anticipated game, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, should have... Well, it was announced eight years ago, someone pointed out on Twitter. This game has been in development for eight years. Um, And has now seen the light of day after numerous delays. It should have come out in the spring and was pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And here we are, uh, two weeks after it being launched. It is no longer available for purchase on the digital PlayStation Store. You can still pick up a physical copy. Um, and while I believe it is still on the the Microsoft Store, generally speaking, the held belief at the moment is if you do not own a next-gen system that can play the last-gen versions or a PC it is a bit of a waste of time you playing Cyberpunk at the moment. And to be fair, 
situation varies also on the PC depending on what kind of PC you have. And there's been a lot of stuff come out about this, about CD Projekt Red talking to their investors and kind of saying like, did Sony and Microsoft expect us to fix it before launch? Probably. Did we? we? No. What the delays were for? Were they trying to optimize it? To me, it doesn't seem like they were that interested in in doing that. Or maybe they were, and it wasn't possible because they developed it for high end PCs. I I assume. I don't so, know how but... it works. In all honesty, that well... could have. Did are they like backporting it, developing it for PC, and then seeing oh well that run oh well doesn't run very well. <laughs> Does it? It wasn't developed for consoles specifically. No, I mean, much like The Witcher 3, to be fair. Yeah. I think it was developed with PC in mind first, but obviously to make the most money on a video game, you kind of needed to be not only a PC game, you need it also to be available on consoles. Yeah. And this is what I... happens. I mean, the thing is what I find interesting about all this is games can run great on PS4, Xbox One. Yes. It's not painting those consoles in the best of light. They're very capable machines. Yes. And this release makes them look very underwhelming. Yeah, it does. And a lot of the... I mean, the thing that bowls me over about this is, right, there is a there is a Cyberpunk 2077 Xbox One, like, one original X. X uh, 1X, yeah. Like Which you is c- apparently a little better than the base models for running yeah, but like the game, you, but still they made a console in the yeah. last gen, yeah. and like it just it doesn't work. I don't understand it. Well, like, this I'm is sure... probably because they expected the game to come out a lot earlier. That is yeah, why but a I mean, for no, I, I absolutely, but mm. like surely the fact that there is a console, like a last gen console, not even like the new console, not even the uh, the Xbox Series X or S based on Cyberpunk kind of tells you that Microsoft, at least, had some faith in them releasing the game on a workable version for that system. And I mean, mm. admittedly, I don't know much about game development. I, I, I freely admit that. But like from my understanding in the PS4 and the, 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 last, the, the, the current slash last gen of Xbox... Is that they are very similar to Code for like PCs, which is why there's a lot of port, like there's a lot of cross pollination between what games are available on which system and PC. Mm. It's why a what lot of things wrong. like Horizon That's Zero really Dawn were able to import. Negligence. It sounds like it just sounds like poor project management and them not really being honest with people of what they wanted to develop. If they wanted to develop this next n next gen PC pushing game. Why were they trying to deliver it on consoles that yeah. they knew it couldn't play on? And, and then they were in a position where they had to release it because they'd announced it so long ago and there were so many pre-orders and so many, so much interest around those console versions. Yeah, and also Recouping the fact costs that you, as well. I yeah, I mean, but they made, apparently they made their their development costs back in like the first week. Like this game sold mm. gangbusters. That's that was never a question in my eyes. But how many people were left disappointed is the question. Probably tons. And I, I don't get me wrong, like I from what I remember of the Witcher 3's launch, it was a very rocky launch as well. But that's my that's honestly my fear is that this this could be something that could be fixed, but I, I don't know if the base game that is there is good enough. 
from what I hear. And I've seen some stuff of like comparisons with like Grand Theft Auto. I've seen some stuff with comparisons with Bethesda games. The reason I'd picked it up is because some of the reviews I was reading that were quite favourable to it were like, well, it's actually more of an action game than an RPG. And I was like, well, if it's an action game set in this universe, I like how it looks and I like the vibe that it, it gives off, at least from the trailers and stuff. I was like, well, it was 300 kroner at launch here. And I was like, I can't wow. buy anything for 300 kroner. And that seems really low. I'm going to grab that. It was it was off the back of Black Friday. It was like in Black Friday into Cyber Monday. Yeah, I would have done the same if I was, I was like, in your God, position. Three hundred kroner, I'm gonna grab that. It's a brand new game. It comes with the PS five upgrade. So like if worse comes to worse, I'll just play it on my PS five. Mm. And I'll be happy as Larry, but then I heard all the reports about how the game is on the PS four and I'm like, oh, should I bother? I should think I just you should try it, you know, and see what you get out of it and if you can still enjoy it with the uh, the issues it has. I heard about the crashes. That sounds particularly bad. That the game crashes. The um, game hard it's crashes. Not often you experience that, is it? Sorry. I said, yeah, the game hard crashes. It yeah doesn't load in stuff. Like I've heard people go through scenes that are quite serious scenes, and like the character model won't load properly. It'll load in without its hair, or like the model will t pose, or like the have that weird like stuttery okay. jib you sometimes see from models in serious scenes it just seems weird maybe you should wait for a patch then i just don't and hope to... that the patch will they've said in the statement didn't haven't they that it won't make it look like the pc or next gen versions well that's well, yeah, that saying but if they can fix things like that that should have been fixed already i think all that will hopefully get fixed i don't know about I the mean, frame sure rate apparently when things get very hectic that it does drop very low and i'm not usually yeah. one to you know pick at frame rates but from what i've seen it, it impacts on your enjoyment of the game to the point where it's not necessarily playable in certain yeah. instances i mean i've heard that with pc to be fair let alone mm. like launch day console i don't know man honestly half my half of my heart is like you should just take this game back because I think the pre-owned market for this game is going to be very high in a couple of months, <laughs> and then I will yeah. just buy a new. I'll just buy a pre-owned copy for like a tenner, and then play it on the PS Five. He didn't spend that much on it, though. Really, yeah. Probably. Yeah, but it's it's kind of the principle, it. though. Like, the principle, I... yeah, yeah, sure thing. Why should I buy a game that? Why by should all you give them money when they've, they've delivered? Yeah, something so shoddy. Yeah, so I I don't know I don't know what to do with it now. Like I, I have so many other games to play, and mm. I've played through so many good games this year that I'm just like I don't I don't care. Like I'd rather celebrate the good games and like play yeah. the games that I'm have a curiosity with rather than try and like force my way through a broken game. Well, that's yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it is what it is. I I'm I still don't know what I'm gonna do with it. Like, I've got so many games I could play over Christmas, and like I'm on I'm on my Christmas break now, and I don't know. I just I don't see where it's gonna fit in, and I I'd kind of half felt like well I should leave this for the PS5 anyway, but now the I just don't know if I want to. Is I suppose it. they could have cancelled the last gen versions of it. They could have. I mean, to be but fair, though, I think what the would pan- have been the fallout of that? Would it have been any worse than the fallout they're experiencing now? Well, I mean, 
you know, like you've had people sending reviewers death threats a couple of days before this game came out. Like there was some really horrible stuff that you see when new big games come out that people have told themselves are going to be the next big thing for them and they've invested in even though they haven't played it. And I've I've never seen such a quick turnaround on people like hating on reviewers to going, oh, actually, maybe you have a point. Shit. And now I'm seeing, like, lots of people commenting on stuff on, like, Facebook groups going, like, well, if the gamers hadn't demanded that the game come out, then CD Projekt Red would have had time to... And I'm like, don't blame the gamers. Blame the company that spent eight years making a game that doesn't work. Like... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, what a mess. Know, what a big old mess. But for those who a... can enjoy it... Um, yeah. It's a, meant to be a good game. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm well, sure I, I've heard, um, I've heard middling things, man. I've, I've heard some people really enjoy it. I've heard other people don't. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think it is... I don't think it is going to be as big as The Witcher 3 is my... No, no, from on. what I've heard as well. I don't think it's perhaps on that level, but... Yeah. Looks like a cool world to explore. It does. Like I the, like some of the art mm, style. Like... Mm. I'm curious about it. Like, I like cyberpunk stuff, and I've been reading a lot of cyberpunk fiction recently. Like, yeah. um, Snow Crash and Neuromancer, two books I've read recently again. And I'm just, oh, I was kind of, I was really looking forward to a good cyberpunk thing, but I, I don't even know if the writing's there. So we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for Matt Boyle's verdict on Cyberpunk 2077. But it's okay, Tom, because there's bloody good games out in the meantime that you can actually well, enjoy and actually play how about this right. i have uh, i can give a verdict on a game this week that i've completed oh really i can't tell you exactly when this game was released at least 10 years ago right maybe more i've completed dead rising chop to your drop on the Wii. oh really you actually beat the dead rising game well i've beat dead rising 2 I know, Previously. yeah, but that was like seven years ago. Like people in the podcast, look, check out like episode ten because that was the last time you beat a game. I kid, you um, beat Shenmue three recently. Go on. Yes, I did. I'm making a habit of it. Okay, so I finished this game in eight hours. Right. Hmm. I think that's a nice length for me. You know. Okay. It's not not too long. In fact, I wouldn't have wanted the experience to go any longer because it does get a little repetitive after a while. However, so it's a very interesting port. It's a compromised port in many ways, but it's been quite cleverly reimagined. Right. To it, make the it most is the out original the Dead Rising, right? It's the original Dead Rising, but with many changes. For okay. one, you've not got the overall time pressure. There is no overall timer. Yeah. At all. There is individual timers for uh, rescue missions, right. but they only exist to give you a rank at the end of the mission and you can get some bonuses if you get a better rank so how it plays out is the story points the objectives mission objectives uh, are sandwiched in between rescue missions you don't randomly find the survivors around as you're playing through the main story like you do in yeah. the original game so you'll do a story mission and then you'll have to wait till the next event happens. In the meantime, you've got a list of survive survivor missions that you can take on. Yeah. So that's that's the first difference. The major difference in this version of Dead Rising is 
the aiming, of course, is done by the Wii Remote in the same style as Resident Evil 4 on the Wii. Okay. Is it handled as well as Resident yes, Evil 4? It's, okay, it's that's the good main to reason to play the game <laughs> because it's immensely satisfying. And an emphasis has been put on the weaponry in this game. You have a gun store that you can visit between missions. You can right. warp there and, and upgrade your weapons and such. A lot of the weapons, it feels exactly like Resident Evil 4. Even that to the point cool. where I think some of the weapons are the same. I'm not 100% on that because it's been a while since I played Resi 4. Yeah. But, you know, popping off zombies' heads is really satisfying with a Wii Remote, I have to say. And you you do this a lot. This is the main gameplay. Yeah. Also, they integrate waggle function occasionally. If you want to, like, do a, a move on a zombie, like pick them up and throw them or whatever, occasionally you'll have to waggle the remote. There's not an emphasis on that. But it is very satisfying. It may, It's a lot of fun, for example, when you've hit them with the golf club, they're on the ground, and you can shake the Wii remote and smack them with the golf club. That's cool. Yeah, they've really thought how to integrate the Wii into Dead Rising while realising that the Wii isn't as powerful a machine as the Xbox 360, and therefore there's less zombies on screen. The graphics have taken a major hit. And I think when it was first out, a lot of people were disappointed by the visuals in the game. Obviously, they don't quite compare to the original version. However, I think they do their job pretty well. And they're not not bad by any means. I just... A lot of people were saying, oh, we can do better. But they, they do their job. They're pretty pretty good they're not bad by any means it feels like a b movie in a way a b movie version of dead rising you know it's I mean, really fun and really enjoyable it just hasn't got the polish of the uh, original game but it also doesn't have some of the frustrations of the original game i mean the aiming in the original dead rising was pretty iffy if i remember correctly yeah in fact i did go back and play a bit of dead rising on the 360 and i found a lot of the time i Depending on what direction I was standing in, I couldn't always aim straight at where I was looking. Sometimes it just felt iffy. I remember it being iffy, and I played a lot of that game. So yeah, you're even like, especially later on in the game where it gets particularly difficult. It's a difficult game. Yeah, the the, the 360 one is difficult. This isn't particularly difficult. I have to admit. Okay. But it's a lot of fun. Um, they do also do other things like uh, introduce different zombie types. For example, I think some of the characters who are psychopaths in the original Dead Rising now become like uh, more stronger zombies. And I think that's right. because it's so easy to kill the zombies in this game that they kind of that need they to needed to add an extra challenge. Makes sense. To the to the horde, so I mean, there's not as many zombies, and they're a bit easier to kill. So they have like boss characters become like. You know, slightly stronger variants. Yeah. Uh, there are some of the re- regular psychopath missions from the original game as well. Of course. And uh, all the cutscenes are using the 360 graphics. Yeah. So it does feel a little bit cut and pasted together at times. But to be but honest with you, as someone who good. never beat that game because it was quite frustrating, yes. like get yeah. the proper ending, I'm very curious to actually give this a look. It's a great way to experience Dead Rising if you found that original game really difficult. Yeah. It's worth it alone for how fun the the aiming is and the shooting. 
Is it the remade story, in sorry. the engine, do you think? It's remade in the, the, the Resident Evil engine. 4 engine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, very which interesting. It's quite interesting. It's a very interesting game, and I, I feel like it should get talked about a bit more. I think when it came out, it was like, oh, it's all right. It's not quite as good as the uh, original, but the aim, the shooting's fun. Yeah. But it also does a lot of other things to make it work on the Wii. Strange things, though, like you can't walk through uh, water. In the original Dead Rising, obviously, everything was quite open, and you can yeah. walk through like uh, small areas of water and stuff. In this, you can't. And also, there's like certain ways that are barricaded off, so the game is a lot. The mall is a lot smaller, yeah, smaller. than it okay. was, but it doesn't feel too small in any okay. in any way. Sometimes, you know, I was telling the other week about Dead Rising, where you had the um, you go out into the main sort of um, wilderness area in the middle of the mall, and there was a truck that was trying to attack you. Yeah. And this happens reasonably early on in the game, and it's quite difficult if you're not high enough level. Well, in this, that becomes a quick time event. The whole truck battle oh, is a quick time event, where you shake the remote to run away, like you do in Resident Evil 4 on the yeah. Wii, and you have to time your button presses. So it's fascinating to see how they've reimagined parts that might have been difficult for the Wii to do, or difficult yeah. to port. I don't know. I, it's fascinating game but i've enjoyed it and uh, it didn't quite over it nearly overstayed its welcome i have to say because interestingly in dead rising once you've done all those main missions and yeah. spoilers alert now you have like an end bit to do don't you if yes. you remember um where you know all the zombies are sort of killed and and, and the military have come in and then you, you're taking down the military while you're trying to develop the uh the zombrex vaccine mm -hmm. um so at that point in the game it's like to me it did feel like it was plodding on a bit it was like when is this going to wrap up yeah but imagine you'd played it for like hours more before that happened yeah and like had to get all of the survivors and do all the loops and do all this stuff like it, it sounds yeah. like a more streamlined version of it because that was my biggest issue with it streamlined is the is the right word for it uh eight hours you can complete it and you do all the, you have to do all the survivor missions, I think, before the next story yeah. event will trigger. Sometimes it's like two or four at a time until the next story bit. Uh, and you can warp quickly to areas from the uh, main base. Uh, but that costs money and you need money to upgrade your weapons. And one of the right. big aspects I love about Dead Rising is upgrading your character and leveling up and becoming more and more powerful. And that was one of the things that kept me playing. Yeah. And as I've gone back to the original version of the game, that's what still keeps me playing. No matter how many times I die and have to restart the game, I'm like, well, now I'm level 10. You know, now I'll be able to do this bit a bit easier. Um, and when you finish Dead Rising on the Wii, chop to your drop. Chop to your, sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. You, uh... <laughs> You you can play in like New Game Plus, so you've got all the weapons. You get given a new machine gun, and uh, I think a new clothing item, and you can go through the game again. And funny enough, even after saying this is repetitive and going through the whole thing, I really was wanting to start again and do it all over again. Strangely, <laughs> interesting. Um, and there's also some mini games on offer. So it's called Odd Jobs, and like the first one is clear an elevator. So you're stuck in an elevator with those zombies, and you'll see how quickly you can clear them all out. 
And then yeah. it goes on. There's a football mini game. There's a whole list of, I think, Wii exclusive mini games that you can do. But I played for the gameplay. I don't think Dead Rising 1 is a particularly strong story, yet it does have some quite interesting story elements, like how the uh, the zombie virus was uh, developed to increase how quick... No, to increase the how many cows they could produce. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. It's all about livestock, and it was originally created so they could pump out more cows or something. And then it has some sort of message in the end about uh, overconsumption and... You know, there's some, they're trying to say something. It doesn't come across very well in the game. Yeah, but, there but they're is trying a message there. Okay. to get a message. Yeah, and it, Dead Rising, I think, is one of the most interesting games in the last so many years. I think it was a unique concept when it came out. And it, I, I like some stuff about that game, but yeah, I, I don't think it's aged particularly well. So if there's a streamlined way to play it now, mm. maybe I'd be well, interested in trying that out. The, the recent... Um, what would you call them, ports to PS4 and Xbox One, do kind of iron out some of the creases. Yeah. They do improve slightly on things, where there's a few graphical glitches here and there. I don't know why. But uh, the aiming feels smoother in these newer versions. So if you want to play it, and you maybe you don't want to play the Wii version, then there are those, but obviously they're a lot closer to the original. The Wii version yeah. is very different. Yeah. But still I... the same. It's... Uh... <laughs> I have a lot to say about that game. I I really did uh, enjoy it. I've played it every day. Yeah. Interesting. I I would be curious to pick that game up. It sounds interesting. It's very cheap. I mean, you can probably get them for under a tenner, second hand. I I think I even saw it, actually, when I was in um, this store I was in. Uh, but I, I didn't really think of it. it. It registered as I was flicking through cases. But like, I it has like, a reputation as being there, a bit meh. But it actually is really fun i i think that's kind of what was in my brain to be honest with you that it wasn't supposed to be very good so i didn't even think about it but yeah, yeah i read that i read a bad review years ago and all they they, they really hung up on the fact that the uh, the zombie parrots and pa- parrots and poodles were frustrating enemies yeah and yes they are they're in there to make things a little bit more difficult but they're not game breakers by any means yeah i don't know if this person writing the review actually finished the game or just yeah, maybe not. Also, when people see ports, people tend to complain. Oh, there's not as many zombies. That's that's what Dead Rising's all about, you know, hordes and hordes of zombies. But there are enough zombies. Yeah, they pop up out of nowhere sometimes. But you know, if a game's as fun as this is, then it's worth what it. What does that matter? Yeah. Sorry, I've talked about Dead Rising for ages. Sorry, Matt, you have you the do stage. that striking <laughs> these things on when they're current. What have you um, been playing? Right, so I, since we last podcasted, I beat Yakuza Seven like a dragon. Um, mm. I I stick by my I stand by my comments. I think, I I I think it's a a middle middle of the road Yakuza series game. I think there's some really nice things. I started to try and mop up the achievements. I did all the Kiryu business stuff. And then I started trying to do the dragon cart, which, if you remember, is like the Mario Kart stand-in. And it is one of the most frustrating mini-games that I have ever played. It is not a good kart experience. And so I ended up going, okay, I'm going to come back to this later when my Pixel Love version arrives and stop playing the game. Right. I beat um, 13 Sentinels Vegas Rim. 
I think that game is very good. That is that is a very good game. Um, wow, you beat it. Was that a long game? Uh, 20 something I was. Mm. Uh, you know, it didn't outstay its welcome. I I think there's some very cool ideas in that game. I actually grew to like the tactical part of the game as well by the end of it because it was more a tower defense thing rather than like real-time strategy. I think it is an incredibly good game and honestly, I I would recommend it. If you like visual novels, if you like good stories and sci-fi, it's definitely worth checking out. Honestly, I I cannot... If visual novels are your jam, if you like things like Danganronpa and you like things that are a little bit different, check it out. It is a very, very good game. I got a platinum in it, which is Tom Perry can attest to. I very rarely get platinums in games. I've the seen last... this, the uh, photo. Yeah, I sent it to you because I was that enthralled with it that I just played it to death. I did everything. I think wow. the last game I purposely set out to get a platinum in was Nier Automata. And I, I would not say this is good and groundbreaking as Nier Automata, but I think the storytelling and what it kind of does for visual novels as a whole is very good, and it'll be very interesting to see. I immediately got Odin Sphere uh, for the PS4 out of the library as soon as I'd beaten it, because it was like, I really want, want to play more, more vanilla West stuff now and see what this about. Exactly. Hey, I've so. only ever platinumed one PS4 game, and you know what that is, I think. Do or I? I don't actually. I can't. Toy think. Box Turbos. Oh, hey, that's not a PS4 okay. game, is it? That's a PS3 game. That is a PS3 game. Yeah. I've never platinumed a PS4 game. I platinumed. Oh, sorry. What would you call it on Xbox when you? Uh... Well, you just get uh, full all the achievements, right? Like that's what there's do nothing you call for that? it. Say you got all the achievements in. Like that's oh. the thing. It's not got the sexy name like platinumed it. I got all the achievements in uh, Dead Rising Case Zero. Yeah, that's a very short game. I got all the achievements in Dead Rising Case Zero. I got all the achievements in Sonic Three. Okay, that's that's probably a bit more difficult to do. And job. all the achievements in Sonic the Fighters, which okay. is a very short game. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but you know, you know, you got to be good to get get these achievements. Exactly. Um. I yeah. I I I think that's a good game. Um. I've got platinums in a couple of things. I got platinums in No Man's Sky. I got a platinum in Nier Automata. I got a platinum in Aegis Rim, like I said. I guess you haven't got a platinum in No Man's Sky anymore. Ah, uh, well, I mean the platinum still stays, doesn't it? But they've oh, they've done expansions yeah. and stuff There's since then, stuff and they now. break up into other things. I've actually the main thing I've been playing over the last couple of days, if I'm totally honest, I went back and started playing Ghosts of Tsushima, mm. and after the year this has been, after playing that game for a while it, it, admittedly after playing um genshin impact it took me a while to get used to the idea that i could only climb mountains at certain points i just kept throwing gin at the mountain and then being like why can't he climb and i'm like oh yeah because i need to climb up the the, the rocky bits mm-hmm. i may have been a bit too harsh on that game first time around i i genuinely I'm enjoying my time with that game. It is it is quite repetitive in some respects. But as I have leveled up my character, as I've done more and more things on the side map, I've actually find the stealth stuff quite fun. And it is hmm. just... It's a very competent game, Tom. Mm-hmm. And in a year of games that have been slightly buggy and slightly tedious, 
I do think it is a very well made game. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And like I said on Twitter the other day, it it might just be my game of the year for the photo mode alone, and how much fun I've had dicking around with taking photos in that game because it looks gorgeous. Honestly, mm. it is the it is the best looking game on a PlayStation Four. I don't. I've heard an argument that uh, Shenmue Three should have a photo mode. I'm not saying it's comparable. It's a different graphic style, but it I've is, also it's heard... got some very pretty parts to it. I've also heard an argument that Sega should uh, remake Shenmue 3, so you know what I mean. Tell, you what... tell me about this. And, and yeah. I, my first thought was, it's not that bad. No, <laughs> it doesn't need I, to it... be remade. Well, I, I, I sent you this petition. <laughs> yeah. There was a Shenmue fan petition saying that people should remake, Sega should remake Shenmue 3 with you, Suzuki. After years of like petitions for people to give Yu Suzuki the license like Sega you what are you doing the same way that people did to Fox with like the Fantastic Four I just think it'll be the same game I don't, I yeah, don't know it who at Sega could say to Yu Suzuki don't do it like that do you yeah know I mean? exactly who's the superior of Yu Suzuki <laughs> yeah exactly I mean he's gonna kind of want to do what he wants to do and that's maybe why he isn't at Sega anyway you know exactly I mean that's the the reason that Kojima isn't at konami anymore right it, you get these people who are auteurs and i mean admittedly i know that it, it takes more than one person to make a game i'm not saying that but you do have these visions who, people who are senior and have creative visions and they kind of want things to be a certain yeah. way and but the argument is they don't know best and no they I, should I, have I... like an ex- someone else above them telling them what to do i just can't imagine anyone above um those two you know visionaries <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, the same thing was said to people about the prequel trilogies of Star Wars, right? It was like George Lucas going like, oh, George Lucas doesn't know what he wants anymore. He's surrounded by yes-men. Like, people just don't... People just refuse to believe that, like, people's ideas about their stories and things change. It's like bands, right? Like, can you imagine how boring it would be if your favourite band just made their first album all over and over and again? Like, it would never evolve. It would always sound dated, like... It sucks. There's a reason that like pop punk bands kind of only make one or two really good albums usually. It's because they can't sound like that forever. Because you grow as a person, as an artist. Hmm. But I, I, I do think that people like Yu Suzuki, like Kojima, like George Lucas, have creative visions that they want achieved, and I don't think anyone's going to talk that out of them, especially when you know, we are able to talk about them in conversations like this and people know who the hell we're talking about. They've kind of, for better or for worse, reached a status that they will do whatever the hell they want because they're Yu Suzuki or Hideo Kojima. It is what it is. I guess the argument, it's also possible for new people to come in and take the reins and still do good stuff within those uh, sort of universes. Yeah, but of I course, Metal Gear, Su- Metal Gear Survive shows that. <laughs> well, I think I was going to say The Mandalorian shows that you can do something good with Star Wars outside of um, what George Lucas achieved. Oh, but, my God. Um, yeah, yes. yeah, it's very good. Let's not talk about it on the podcast because it's spoiler territory still, but yeah, God, The Mandalorian. I've watched the good. last episode of Mandalorian twice since it. Uh, I, I'm going to watch it again with my wife tonight because mm. I, I stayed up on Friday because I knew there would be spoilers at the end yeah, of the season. Yeah, I watched it first thing on friday on a laptop so i watched yeah. it on the tv with the the big speakers on and the music i just said the music is a particularly standout part of that last episode i would agree there's a lot there's a lot of good things in that last yeah, episode yeah. anyhow yeah we're not here to talk about mandalorian are we 
No, we're not. Um, yeah, um, yeah. But Yu Suzuki, you know, uh, he's telling his story. It's like someone coming halfway through bloody Star Wars original trilogy and saying yeah. to George Lucas, "Now do it like this." I think you, the the uh, sequel trilogy is testament to the fact you can't really do that. No, exactly. <laughs> You've got to have I, I... one person's vision throughout the beginning to the end of the story and and that works at least you have someone overseeing it. even if people write certain parts of it like it happens with the tv series yeah. you've got to have that overall vision in place yeah exactly and i mean oh god this isn't a film podcast but like disney should know that i mean like the reason that the mandalorian's been successful is arguably probably the reason that the marvel universe has been so successful is that john favreau knows how to make a continuous story arc and like Mm. yes the marvel films have all been different like winter soldiers an action movie iron man 3 is a buddy cop movie like they've explored genres and they've done different stories within that but generally speaking this the fucking the the red thread going through those stories is leading to an end point it is is clearly a map narrative and yes like things can change and differ but there was clearly an idea of where those stories were going and uh, that wasn't really there with Star Wars, clearly, because Episode Seven came out and J.J. Abrams tried to reboot it, tried to remake A New Hope. Ryan Johnson came in and said, like, nah, this is really dumb, I'm going to do these things. And then you get J.J. Abrams come back in and go, like, oh, well, I'm going to try and retcon mm. all of the shit that you and did still, to this story. I and then still it doesn't the, really pay off. I stand by the opinion Last Jedi is the most interesting one of those films. Yeah, of course it, it actually is. does try and do a few things a bit differently. I would say so. There's some really dumb plot stuff in there. And to be honest with you, his Ryan Johnson's tenacity of just going like, <laughs> Snoke is silly. Get rid of him. Let's do this. Like, why do you care if Ray's a special person? Like, all of these pe- all of these yeah. stories are about special people. Like, it would have been that. okay wanted... if then yeah. J.J. Abrams would kind of gone, on f- gone from those threads and developed yeah. on those things that were set up instead of going totally backwards. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we in a weird, a weird territory, it never needs to go into. Like, yeah. anyway, bringing the emperor back matter. was the stupidest uh, idea. Well, you you are. didn't like him on his little Gladys arm to bring it back into video games. I thought that was kind of cool, but the fact I it was the emperor so wasn't cool. So I don't no, mind exactly. his, that little arm thing. But... <laughs> I, I was expecting him to tell her the the cake was a lie. Um. Anyways. <laughs> God, I'm making portal jokes in 2020. What a terrible year this has been. Anyway, the point was, why we went off on that tangent, is Ghost of Tsushima, Tom. what it was now. Ghost of (laughs) Tsushima is a damned good game. I highly recommend it. I I would tell you, Tom Parry, as a person who doesn't even like big games, honestly, I think there's enough in it for you just wandering around that world and seeing how beautiful their rendition of Tsushima there is i'm curious sh- to play it what puts me off right now is that the price of the game it doesn't seem to get discounted no and i, I think there's a reason for that as i think yeah. it's because it's very good and i was just thinking right like i i, I posted that comment like i said about the photo mode making it mm. my game of the year and i just had to think about like how strong a year it's been and any time i've tried to like make a top five or a top ten list in my head mm-hmm. there's been so many good games this year that i i find it a very hard task because they've all ticked different things what, i haven't what, even played um, sakura wars i'm trying to think even... of one game I mean, this year that i've <laughs> i've played lots of animal crossing i've played lots of yeah, yakuza yeah. 7 like admittedly yeah. that will probably be in the middle of my list 
Uh, 13 Sentinels is amazing. Ghost of Tsushima is a really good game. Mm. Like, Genshin Impact I play to death. Like, there's lots of big things. And that's even without, like, indies like Splunky 2 and some of these other games I've played in the middle of it. Mm. It's just been, been a very good There have been some good games, good even games. on, the, as you say, the indie scale as well. I mean, Cadence of nice Hyrule, stuff. people really enjoyed. I... I've liked some other stuff. Hades. Like your Spirit Fair is amazing. God, oh God, how did I forget Hades? Like, Hades is incredible. Why do you put like I don't know how to do it this year. There's, it's not as cut and dry as it's ever been. And I don't know not... how to do it because I can't think of a particular game that was released this year that I really, really got into. There's yeah. gotta be, hasn't there? There must be. I'll have to have a think about that for next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, we can do it. We, I mean, this isn't the end of the year yet. We can do a, a proper a, a send-off to this year. Technically, next. though, this is our Christmas podcast. This is technically our it's Christmas podcast. It's not very Christmassy so far. Ho, ho, ho! There we go. I don't know how we force Christmas into this podcast. but We don't, Tom. We just we just embrace it and we wish people a Merry Christmas at the end. That's how it usually Oh, yeah, goes. that's all. <laughs> yeah. Um... Have you have you been buying or playing anything else? I've picked up a couple of things. Oh yeah, um, Fade to Black on the PS One. Okay, which was a sequel to Flashback, was it not? It is indeed, yes. Which is an interesting early three D action game for the PS One. I was going, I was thinking about PS One a bit recently and having a look what was available in the PS One classics on the PS Three, because as you know, my PS Three now does not play PS3 games. No. And I had like 40-odd PS Classics on it, and I was thinking, wow, I want to make the ultimate PlayStation Classic console. Forget the original, you know, the PlayStation Classic mini console. Yeah. I've got everything and more on, on this, you know. Right. I've got Pong the next level. Wow. <laughs> I was just thinking, I picked it up, uh, what, uh, Loaded? I played Loaded yeah. for the first time the other day. It's overhead... I- Arcade-style shooting game. I don't have very fond memories of Loaded or Reloaded, and I can't tell you why. Yeah, it's it's very simple. It's not great, but the the actual shooting stuff is satisfying. I was just trying to think of those games that really define that early period of the PS1, and a lot of them are available to download from the store. Uh, I also picked up Pandemonium 2 and... Jet Racer, is it? Or... Yeah, 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 Jet Racer. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, that early PS1 era is, like, Rayman, Tekken, Ridge Racer Revolutions. Mm. Um, oh, God, I bought weird stuff that came out around the launch of the PlayStation. So, like, for me, Street Fighter Alpha 2 is the defining early PlayStation I, game. I think I have that on my PlayStation yeah. Classics. Resident well, yeah. Evil slash Resident Evil Director's Cut. Tomb Raider, Wipeout. Um, Tomb Raider, Wipeout, also 2097, because that came out fairly quick on the heels of the original, from what I remember. Hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy VII, obviously, is the big one that a lot, sold a lot of units. Um, did, did you ever play Cooler World with the ball? Cool. Cooler yes, World, I did. Game with the yeah, ball. yeah, yeah. I've, I've always been curious about that. I've never played that I'm curious. A ve- there's a reason it's a very expensive game, because it's very good. It's expensive, Cooler World. It is quite expensive, yeah. It's around the £50, £60 mark. It's not like crazy money. It's not like no, as high it's as... it's downloadable on there for like three ninety nine or something. <laughs> Interesting. I might pick that up and give that a go finally. Uh, I, I mean, Cool Borders, you've got... Yeah, no, Cool Borders isn't very good though, is it, Matt? No, I mean, it hasn't aged very well. 
Coolboarders 2 I played a lot of, I, though. Steep Stoke... Oh, sorry. Steep Slope Sliders on the Saturn's better than Coolboarders. I'm sure it mine. is. I'm sure mine. it is. Um... Yeah, I, I I don't know. I can't think of any more. There's lots of early because I didn't get a PS1. Pandemonium, did we talk directly about that? I, think oh, I, mean, I mean, you said two, so I'm counting Pandemonium yeah. in that yeah. conversation. Uh, Croc came out later. Um, I'm trying to think of the stuff that I saw in like my video rental place when the PlayStation came out. Like the stuff that was in long boxes. You had theme park. I mean, bloody Crash Bandicoot, obviously. Mm. Um, Theme Park and Theme Hospital were big. I played a lot of Theme Hospital when I first got my PS1. Um, it's definitely worth know. revisiting maybe your, your PS3 store. Jumping Flash! And... Jumping Flash! Yeah, yeah, and downloading some of those those games. If that era of gaming interests you, for some I think it's probably an area that they kind of steer clear of because it's the yeah. beginning of the 3D well, uh, era, but at the same time, there were a lot of good games at that time. They may not look so great nowadays, but no, it was a it was a fascinating time, and it's fascinating to look back on that time and actually play some of the uh, better games from that period. Um, I'm interested in maybe trying um, what's it called, Siphon Filter at some point. I've never played Siphon Filter. I've never played Siphon Filter. Classic. It's got a massive cult following. I hear it's a pretty good game. Like, a lot of people liked it. Yeah. Uh, there mean... were three of them, I think, on PS1. Also, um, yeah. what's the other one? Fear Effect as well. I, I've never played Fear I've Effect. I've never played Fear Effect either. Um, yeah. I, I, I've always had a weird, morbid curiosity for Milo and Claude. Just something I'm not about. Sure what that is. It's a game where you're like it's it's a cat and I think a baboon. It's like a shooter, <laughs> third person game. Wow. Like I, yeah, I, I've I've seen it a lot and I've never played it. I've never been curious because it always looked a bit naff. But I I, mm. I I don't know. There's always been something in my head that I wanted to play that. Same with Johnny Bazooka Tone. I'm sure that's probably oh, crap. I've played it. I have it on Saturn. Um, it's not great, but it's you know it's not bad either. It's one yeah, of them. Right. Uh, they try a few different ideas with it. Fair to middling platform. Yeah. No, it's not Clockwork Knight. Clockwork Knight's a better two D, two point five D, uh, platform. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, there's there's so many, there's so many. There are so many games for the PS One and PS Two. Like, I was noticing this today. I I quickly when I went in the shop, the things I did buy that I didn't mention were I finally have a copy of Way of the Samurai. Uh, for the PS2, which I've been after for mm. bloody ages, Spike Chunsoft. I have two, three, and four. I bought them around the same time I bought the Yakuza games. I was like, right, I'm going to play through all these. And I never had it, and I've never been able to find a copy in English. Anytime one turns up in my in my close proximity, it's the bloody German one. So I finally have that. So I'm finally going to play it. I picked up Dot Hack uh, Infection, the first Dot Hack game. And there was a Natsume City developer game called like Metropolis or something like that. It was the mm. second one of those, just because I'd never seen it, and it was a Natsume game. But I, okay. I was just—I was looking through this absolute sea of PS2 games they had in the shop. I was just like, "God, there's so many PS2 games. There's just thousands of them." And even now, I can still find things on the PS2 that I don't have that are good games. Mm. I, I don't know how many other consoles you can say that for at this point of where we are in terms of collecting video games. That's fair. 
Yeah, otherwise I haven't bought that much. I bought Golden Oldies 2 for the Philips CDI. Cool. What a classic. Which it contains Breakout and a game called Bug Hunt, which looks like, I don't know, Centipede or something? Probably. Probably isn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can't say much more than that about that one. Okay. Oh, speaking of um, speaking of PS2s, I actually did pick up something the other day that I've never actually seen in the flesh before, and I was like, "Oh my god, look at that! I bought a silver PS2." A silver PS2? What the biggin? A silver biggin, yeah. <laughs> biggin. That's what biggin. the technical name for the large PS2 is: the biggin. Exactly, <laughs> a silver biggin. Um, no, I I went into a charity shop. Um, and they had, like, it, I've been going to this charity shop a couple of weeks because they seem to have, someone's loft seems to have ended up in there. So there's been, like, lots of, like, 80s toys ending up in random bags of stuff. I've picked up a couple of Transformers and a few PS2 games here and there. I've talked about this in the podcast. And so I just keep going in there going, like, well, is there any more PS2 games? Do they put any more out? And occasionally they do. Uh, but they'd finally put out all of the consoles that they had. So there was like three or four Nintendo Wiis and three PS2s. But one of the PS2s was a silver one. You and thought one of the... that. I was just like, I've never seen one of these. Like, admittedly, it's a bit of a crap console variant because like the buttons, the power button and the eject button are still black. And some I of the panels were all like, like that. Even the blue one was probably like that as well. No, that's the the really nice like. Um, I think what are they blinking it, called? The Gran Turismo consoles they did. Aqua, are, Aqua PS2 console. I'm thinking of. Yeah, the, I was thinking of the really like nice deluxe ones that are somewhat tangentially related to Gran Turismo, like in yellow and red. Oh, not familiar. There, there are very limited, very expensive fat PS2s. Oh, yeah. That were the blue one current. still got black buttons yeah. to eject power and all that. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that was the same with this one then. I was like, oh, that's a bit of a shame. But it looks nice. It looks like it looks like a cool system with the silver. So that might go under my TV stand now that I have Way of the Samurai. I might use that as my, my console to play Way of the Samurai on. But yeah, there was also one with a network adapter. I almost bought it just for the network adapter. Mm. But I was like, do I really need to spend 15 quid on a PS2 to get a network adapter I'm never going to bloody use? And the answer was no. So I left it there. I think the silver one's nice. Uh, I've just found a bundle that was sold with... Was it two controllers? Uh, No, it was only one controller because that's what it came with. Ah, right. I think there was definitely a bundle with two, which is interesting because the PS3 also had a silver version with a two-controller bundle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I is mean, what the, I have. The yeah. pink Slim I have came with two controllers. Hmm. Yeah, There's it's nice. There's also a Slim Silver as well. Yeah, I've seen that too. No, it's nice. I, I saw it. I like was like, a oh my God, console. That's, that's interesting. I've never seen a silver PS2. And I was like, you know what? I... I Yes, I do have my share of fat PS2s, obviously, like everyone else. But I was, I, I, to be fair, I actually got rid of a lot of my PS2s a couple of years ago. We had um, a Christmas market of selling toys, and I, I got rid of a couple of PS2s there. I have 8 million PS2 controllers, though. That's the issue. Is that I also have a lot of PS2 controllers. But... Uh... I Never tend to see them PS2 for about a quid. Again. That's the thing, right? Like, I see them so cheap because they're in such abundance. 
And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to leave it there for a quid. Like, I'll buy it. Like, what if I want to play play a Ribbit King? And now I can because I've got multi-taps. I might actually do that over this Christmas period. We've got a couple of people coming around, hopefully. But like, Ribbit King doesn't need... You take turns, wouldn't you, Ribbit King? Uh, yeah, but you can do it with a multi-tap. And then okay. everyone can have their own controller. Fair enough. <laughs> Covid precautions, Tom. Um, yeah, I... Oh, God, I'm going to play some Ribbit King this Christmas, I think. Now is the time. I'm going to get the silver PlayStation down, play Way of the Samurai, and play Ribbit King. You've checked it works. Yeah, uh, I, I powered <laughs> it on quickly just to see if it worked. And just to, to be honest with you, the, the age-old test of is there anything interesting in the disc tray? One of these days nah. I'm going to open one and it's going to have a copy of uh, Rule of Rose in it, but these ones didn't, so... I'm sorry, man. It's all right, that's how it goes. Uh, have I bought and played anything else of note? No, I don't really think so. I've got a Game Boy coming, Tom, but I'll talk about that when it arrives. Oh, a Game Boy, yeah, Game Boy, yes. That's uh, I've been um, okay, what just cataloging my Game Boy collection on yeah. VG Collect, and uh, that's quite interesting. Looking at some of the cartridges, actually, I thought maybe Matt, you might know a bit more than me. I find like some. Um, the serial numbers on the cartridges, you know, the ones that read yeah. DMG, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, some Europe and some are UKV. And it looks yes. to me like UKV are earlier cartridges than the mm. Europe, European ones. Right. Yes, they tend to be. Mm. UKV tends to be the games that were purely localised for the UK market. Ah, very, however, very... Yeah, go on. What? There's a Game Boy Colour one I have here, which is UKV as well. Yes, it's because sometimes there are games that are either only localised for the UK market mm. or were very early ones. Uh, for example, this copy of F1 Race that I have to hand because there mm. are Game Boy cartridges lining the nooks and crannies of my entire house. I, I've got loads is, right here. Is, yeah, I mean, that, but you have them there for a purpose. You're doing some of them. Mine just yeah. exist. Um, is UKV because they, when Nintendo started reaching into different markets... They were very quick to start going. Hey, let's have every market have its own thing. So you have UKV for the UK. You have SCN for Scandinavia. You have FRA yep. for France. Is it um, SOE for Germany? Um, it is NOE for Germany. Nintendo. NOE. Europe. Oh yes, that makes um, sense. I think I have a couple of German cartridges. My Micro Machines Two is German. Micro Machines 2 is... Uh, oh, Scandinavian. A... Yes, and you have the Scandinavian one for the very reason that the Scandinavian one's rare. And I remember seeing it and going, buy it, it's an SEN one! Um, yeah. Yeah, like, region... If you get really into the minutiae of, like, regional variants of cartridges, you know you've fallen down the Game Boy rabbit hole. Because different regions have different prices. Because obviously, collectors from different countries in Europe want to have the full FRA set, or the full NOE set, mm. or the full UKV set. I guess a lot of yours are Scandinavian or German. Uh, or to be honest, you might have from all region. over. I mm. just bought wherever the hell was cheapest at the time, yeah. if I'm being totally honest. And I mean, some of them didn't come out in other countries. Like, um, I have FRG, which is like the weird combination of Austria, <laughs> Germany. France and Belgium, I think, mm -hmm. for like Ninja Kid because it only came out in that region. My copy of uh, Trip World is FRA, which is the slightly rarer version of a very rare game because there's also an NOE one. 
I, I honestly, it depended on where they were from at the time. To be completely honest, my my European set isn't even necessarily a European set because sometimes I was just like, you know what, I'm just gonna buy the fucking US version because yeah, it's a difference between something like uh, Lock and Chase. UKV version of Lock and Chase is like a 300 quid cartridge. Or you can buy the American one, which is in abundance and is £7. And it's just like, well, if I ever come across the UKV one, great. Mm. But I'm not well, going to spend 300 quid on a very common game. Matt, if uh, you or any of our listeners are interested, I've done a video of my original Game Boy collection, which will be on YouTube in the next couple of days, I imagine. I am actually thinking of doing one of mine. Hmm. I just don't know how to do it yet because I... Yeah. Well, I've got I, like 30 games for the original Game Boy or oh, just more. I've got about 200 box and <laughs> about 600 cartridges, I think, yeah. at this point. I don't know how to do it. I, I there, isn't, there isn't a way. Like, I remember when I did... The, the one you filmed, actually, in the old Tom and Matt Shack when I did my Game Boy collection video back in roughly the early days of both my YouTube channel and me going for a full set. And... That was a, a twenty-minute video, and I had nowhere near as many as I have now. And I no. would, I would definitely have to break it down by system. I would probably have to break it down by region. I would probably have to break it down by boxed and unboxed. I would recommend getting a nice little light. I'm just showing Matt a light that I Ooh, have. La la. Sits on the tripod, great if you're doing a video on something like showing Game Boy cartridges. To that be... was a gift from uh, Mike, Blast Processor Mike. That. Oh, that's cool. That looks, I shouldn't have opened it before Christmas, but I did. Oh, um, sorry. So upping our YouTube game there with with a light, I think Mike had maybe seen some of my uh, <laughs> poorly lit videos. And was just like, you should get a light. No, you that's get, fair. To be fair, you right, get a I bicolor really... fill light. Yeah. I want to go out tomorrow or one of these days before the shop shut and actually buy a shotgun mic for my GoPro because I bought a GoPro to start actually mm. filming myself as part of some video content. But getting the audio to sync between that, if you're recording it through a computer, isn't that great. So I was just going to get a decent boom mic, a shotgun mic, stick it in the port and then have that. But yeah, a light also, Tom Parry, would probably not go amiss because then... It definitely pe- worked wonders for yeah. my video. <laughs> I'll give it a look. I will give it a look. See, to be fair, I'd actually toyed with the idea of buying one of those proper halo lights. You know, the ones on the tripod that all the, all the professional YouTubers have. Depends what you're doing. If you're just doing close-up stuff like like I did, I think something like this is quite. I I, right. I think I think maybe I'll do a similar tack to what we what we did originally, where I I sit down at a table maybe and then present things. I think that'll be the easiest way to show mm. off kind of some of the stuff what I have. I always think what's fun about Game Boy games is it feels like you're collecting cards, isn't it? Like I remember how you presented them in the binders. In, I still in do. Card I wallets. still, yeah. I still hundred percent think that is the best way to keep and store Game Boy games. Admittedly, in some climates, it's not the best because condensation can build up. But in the UK, in Scandinavia, in most parts of Europe, to be honest, mm. as long as you're not in keeping your games in a humid room you can quite easily store one yeah. in one of those. I just love you can hold them up like this. It's like, I got this card, I got this card, you got little piles of them. And there's something quite neat, isn't there, about a Game Boy game. I think maybe Game Boy Advance were a little too small, but they had these sort of you can put two. You can put two Game Boy Advance games, though, in the same space. And to be honest, mm. with you, then it means that 
there's pretty much double the amount of Game Boy Advance games in Europe as they are Game Boy Color and Game Boy Original. So like it means they only take up four folders as well, which is nice. Although they don't stack as nicely, do they? They kind of like because they got their little lump on the top. Yeah, so they got of... the little ridge. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, we're getting geeky now. We are, but, uh, we are, but that's. I like how flat the original Game Boy cartridges stack. I mean, you also have that problem with Game Boy Color, don't you? And it's got the little well, bump on the top. they've got the little bump. Yeah, yeah. At but least I do... you can see the circuit boards inside of Game Boy Color cartridges. It's never an indication that they're going to work, though. Like that's the annoying thing. Yes. No, but you can see if it's like a Nintendo cartridge, can't you? Yeah. To to be fair, I think it is a lot harder to fake the original Game Boy Color cartridges. Obviously, Game Boy cartridges are grey and non-transparent, and so you can get people who are moulding like-for-like things. And the only way really to tell is the label being a bit shit. And if you open it up, you'll be able to tell because the board won't have Nintendo written on it. I wonder, you know, if this was conscious decision on Nintendo's behalf to make them, you know, a little less piratable. Or at least you'd know. At least you'd know if you had a pack. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. Honestly, I, I wouldn't put it's it past so cool. it. I mean, like, the bulge is obviously there to make sure people don't plug it into an original Game Boy because the power switch would hit the bulge. You literally can't play unless uh, you modify the cartridge. Game Boy cartridges yeah, have yeah, that's why they've got, they've got the bulge. Yeah. It's to differentiate it. And to be honest with you, it also it's because it then fits nicer with the form factor of the original Game Boy Color. Cool. I think we could we could talk about Game Boys all day, especially with you, Matt Boyle. I w- I was gonna say I I do talk about Game Boys all day. That is my that is my life. <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait to show you the Game Boy I've got. I look Suff- forward to it. Suffice to say, Tom Parry. Um, well, you posted on the social medias, so our, prob- our listeners I, can I, also see. I probably will. Um, yeah. Um, you know when I bought that Lions. Game Boy, and I was mm. like, I hope this doesn't send me down a, a spiral of buying rare Game Boys because who has the money and time for that? Ha 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 ha. Well, if you don't spend all your money on a PS5, then. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, to be fair, it was also because it was a very good price, and it was, it was the only Game Boy purchase my wife was likely to greenlight, and that should be some kind of indication, at least to you, Tom Parry, who knows what my wife does for a living as to what the Game Boy is. Oh, but I will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um. I I bought it uh, because a friend of mine uh, had one and unfortunately has come upon difficult circumstances and said, well, I will do this for you at a good price. The only reason I'm getting rid of it is because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I will help you out. And I, but I also wanted one. It was, it was one of the, one of the only limited edition game boys I've actually really wanted. Is like, it yeah. to do with Japan? It is to do with Japan. Tom. Okay, I know what yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 you know what it is. But like, I, when you Google those prices, Tom Harry, no, I paid nowhere near that for it. But is I'm very happy to have it. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Mysteries, mysteries. Though to be fair, if anyone listening to this podcast follows any of like the Game Boy groups on Facebook, you will you will know what it is. Because anytime someone posts one, I'm like, oh my god, I want one of those. Anyways, unless there's any more for you, Tom Parry, uh, I, um, I think it's no, time... Not really. Uh, I've played, um, what do you call it, Ace Combat 7, but let's talk yeah. about that next time. I haven't played enough of it to uh, give you the full lowdown. Okay. 
then we will do that next time then okay well on that note everybody out there i hope if you are in the uk you are staying well i mean if you're anywhere in the world but especially the uk at the moment with the news that you are staying safe um you are being as responsible as you can and that yes i know the circumstances suck they suck here too in denmark we are facing similar challenges and i hope everyone has a wonderful christmas i hope there is a really nice excuse to stay inside and mm. if not play some video games it's, with uh, family to read a book or do something else for it's yourself christmas with a disclaimer this year isn't it <laughs> it is yeah i mean as many things have been this year for 2020 it's been Chris, it's been living with a disclaimer and i just i hope you all stay safe i hope you all enjoy what you're doing in spite of things. I know this equally goes for people in the US and Denmark and everywhere else, but just look after yourselves. Try and enjoy yourself as much as you can and take care is the main message that we want to send to you. You know, you, you can get pissed up in the house. Uh, you can eat as many mince pies or bits of turkey or whatever you want. Like, just do it in a responsible way and be kind to yourself. Oh, well Tom, said. Yeah, Tom Parry, um, it has been a pleasure. Undoubtedly, I will speak to you closer to the festive day, though it is almost upon us, because I want to see what you think of the stuff I sent you. But I will now, over this podcast, wish you a Merry Christmas and look forward to speaking to you on... Hey, Matt. What? We should do a Christmas song. We wish wish you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. We We wish wish you a Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. We, we wish, wish you a Merry, a Merry Christmas. Christmas. We're out of time. And, and a Happy, Happy New Year. Even though we do a podcast next week, so this isn't technically New Year from us. Ah, oh, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Take care. And be sure, as always, to game on. I'm not going to plug on. anything else. You know where to find us. Take care of yourselves and game on. <laughs>